This is the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com, episode 15. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as an industry, but as a medium. I think I might have mixed that up again, but whatever. I'm Colton. And I'm Sid. And boy, am I tired. Holy crap, I am so tired. <laughs> I I went to bed at 3 a.m. last night. I'm going to try to do my best to fake my energetic energy. That's not... What, what, do, you, what do you call that? That's redundant. Well, at least you didn't have to work until 1 a.m. That's true. I almost had to work until 1 a.m., but, but honestly, me going to bed at 3 a.m. was kind of my decision, just because, like, I wasn't really feeling tired until then. You know how, like, you should go to bed sometimes, but you're just like, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your body's like, no, don't go to bed. You, have, you still have so much to do. Think of all the things you could get done before you have to go to bed. Yeah, I know how that is. My sleep schedule gets all out of whack during the school year because I'm doing late i'm working late night like pretty much at least a couple days every week and then when i get to the end of the semester i'm working all night all day a couple days in a row so yeah oh boy um how are you doing sid by the way i hope you're not as tired as i am no i i slept i've been going to sleep at earlier times so i can get up earlier because that's just you know, that's, I just feel that's healthier now. Also, I just get, I just feel so tired after coming home from, like, work and then yep. doing exercise and then all sorts of miscellaneous things that I feel like sleeping early. So that's been happening. So I'm feeling pretty good this morning. I did my morning exercise. Um, I had a light breakfast. Uh, I, haven't got too much work done, but I got started on work, which is good. So you know, I had uh, it's it's been a pretty good morning, all things considered. Well, congratulations! You're a better human being than I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we should probably just get right onto the news. Um, so first things first. Um, I thought maybe it was uh, worth mentioning that. Uh, I mean, uh, we talked about. I believe we talked about The Promised Neverland in the first chapter of that yes, we did. last episode. And um, since then, because, you know, Viz has been putting up free chapters of manga on their site from a bunch of different series. And now uh, The Promised Neverland seems to be one of them. Recently, uh, they just put out the first chapter of that manga uh, for free. So, you know, if you don't have a subscription to Jump, uh, there you go. Now you have a way to read the first chapter of The Promised Neverland. Yeah, and I strongly recommend you do because it's really, really good. Yeah, it's it honestly like I, it's something I'm like actively looking forward to every week, and hopefully, um, hopefully they pick this up for uh, for a run and jump. I like uh, from from what uh, this particular tweet says, it seems like um, it seems like it's doing pretty well in like the reader polls. I'm assuming. Yeah, the so. You know, the the first week uh, where it didn't have color pages, they put it, like, pretty high up in the magazine, in the table of contents. Though it probably isn't, like, necessarily ranked by reader polls yet, that's just a strong indication that Jump has a lot of confidence in it, and that it seems to really be picking up buzz. Hmm. I, I, sh- I, sh- I should have probably been a little more specific. I meant more so in the, um, in the, um, um, in the English Jump. That too. There's been it's been very positively received, and I think that 
the fact that they're putting out the first chapter free on their site with potentially more chapters to come is a good like indicator that they think that there is a lot of demand for the series and I also, it also makes me confident that they will pick this up for a regular serialization in the English jump. As actually that's something I didn't even think about till just now. Do you think so hypothetically speaking let's say that they don't pick it up for the English jump lineup do you think maybe there's a possibility that they could probably just run the rest of the manga through um through their free section on viz.com? Yeah, that's another avenue they can go to. I mean, they definitely want to, you know, have a lot of, of content on their site and, you know, a series, a new series like Promise Everland that's, uh, you know, really turning heads and getting people's interest would be a good way to kind of promote their site too. But so that's that's a really cool thing. I was really surprised to see that. Um I, I kind of hope they do that with some of their other more, um, I guess, their more interesting jump starts later on. Uh, but speaking of uh, the free section, um, we mentioned an episode or two ago that uh, Viz picked up uh, Astro Lost in Space by Kenta Shinohara, which the only reason, uh, I, I mean, it sounds kind of shallow, but like the reason I care about that series is because Kenta Shinohara is the man behind Sket Dance, pretty much one of my favorite manga of all time at this point. Everybody should go read it. And uh, they premiered the first chapter of that on Viz.com as well in the free section. And I read it, and I thought it was okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I, it didn't really, like, blow me away, but, like, I don't know, maybe I was just kind of, like, on that high of, like, oh, man, this guy's doing more stuff. I'm so excited. And, like, it's not a, it's not a terrible first chapter at all by any means, but, like, I felt like it was just it was just like a lot of setting up the plot and the characters, mm -hmm. which you know it, it it did that pretty competently. But I feel like I want to wait and see where this goes before I make any final judgments. Yeah, I think the premise is really interesting, though. Oh I yeah, mean, like a, a lot of these lost in uh, space premises have a lot of potential because you can have the characters get into really crazy scenarios by like encountering like aliens or getting involved in just whatever. And also because, you know, there's kind of like a closed environment inside the ship, you know, it's really easy for tensions between characters to run high and all sorts of conflicts to arise that way. So I think there's a lot that can be done with this premise, and I think there's a... I mean, we didn't really get to know all the characters very well. We got to know the main two leads pretty well. Uh, but I think, you know, as this, as the series goes on, and uh, Shinhara fleshes out the cast a little more, there could be some interesting dynamics form here, and uh, some interesting relationships, too, and tensions. That could lead to some good conflicts and stories and whatnot. Uh, I, I think one of the strongest points of this chapter is, you know, Shinohara's humor. Like, uh, Shinohara and Soraki both have very distinct styles of humor from a lot of other mangakas. And definitely reading this first chapter, I was reminded of the humor, you know, I would see in, like, Sket Dance. Now, I mean, I only read the first eight volumes of Sket Dance. Uh, I need to get back on reading more. But definitely, it very much reminded me of, like, some of the character interactions and kind of the gags that I would see in Sket Dance. And I found that all that very enjoyable. Yeah, I noticed one or two gags um, 
uh, one or two running gags throughout the first chapter of Astra that I definitely remember seeing in Sket Dance. But uh, yeah, in terms of the first chapter, I thought it was okay. Like, the the thing is, like, I feel like I would have been more surprised at some of the twist if I didn't, like, already skim through it ahead of time. So that was probably mm-hmm. my fault. <laughs> um, but so I'm going to st- I'm going to stop doing that. Uh, I don't know why I did that. But uh, I'm, again, I definitely want to see where this goes. And I'm I'm really glad Viz picked this up. Yeah. Just one last thing. My guess uh, with like, you know, with uh, what happened is that, you know, this is actually the camp, like getting into that portal. I mean, stuck on the ship. That's the entire camp. Uh, do, do you think maybe like maybe like if this is a simulation, possibly? Not necessarily a simulation, but like them, like going through that portal and being stuck on the ship, that is the camp experience. Like that is actually what the camp is. That's my guess. Honestly, I could, I could see that playing out and I feel like maybe they're gonna, I feel like Shinahara could play that out as sort of a punchline. Yeah. Th- that actually, that would be pretty great. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll see, but I feel that would be a great. I thought that would be the punchline, like, later on. So, just from reading this chapter. And also, you know, there were some comments at the at the beginning when, you know, Ares was meeting this one, bumped into this one elderly woman who, like, also went to the camp. Like, I feel that probably is going to go somewhere, like, that character is going to appear again or something. Yeah, she's going to turn out to be super important. <laughs> well, maybe not, I don't know, but I feel like, uh... She mentioned something about the camp, about her camp experience or whatever. I felt that, yeah, I just felt that, you know, so there's something up with the camp. It's not like this, this straightforward thing. Like this situation probably is the actual camp. I, I felt that there's some like hints towards, you know, what, what's really going on. And then I feel that the, so that's why I thought that, you know, what happened is actually what's supposed to happen. That's the camp. No, yeah, I I could totally see that. Honestly, that makes a lot of sense. But um, man, I think those are our thoughts on Astra, and mm-hmm. I can't wait can't wait to read more. But um, we should move on to uh to New York Times bestselling uh, manga list. Uh, we're gonna be talking about two of them this week because I I honestly thought both of them warranted some discussion. Um, I guess we could talk about uh the. New York Times bestselling manga list from the week of July 13th, uh, 13th oops, uh, July 31st and uh, August 6th. Um, so right off the bat, I was very happy to see that My Hero Academia Volume 5 landed at number one on the list that week. Mm-hmm. So I I think that's the first time I've seen a volume of My Hero Academia land a number one spot on this list. Really? I thought the first volume went up there once at least. I it it might have, but I I think I remember I I know the first volume when that came out. I know it landed pretty high, but I I don't think it got any higher than like number 2 um on the list at the time. Uh this I mean, I don't know. You're probably right. It probably isn't the first time that this has happened, but as far as I can remember, I think it is, but again, I could be wrong, but still it's it's still a pretty it's still a pretty amazing thing to me to see the series land so high on the list i i think I think that's very good, obviously, it's probably selling very well and then we have uh attack on Titan volume nineteen on the list at uh number two, 
I, I should probably say a lot of uh, t- uh a lot of releases on this list um are its Our first first week debuts. Yeah, a, a lot of them. Like I think there are only two two there releases are only three on this list that aren't first week debuts, and they're at the tail end. <clears throat> that's right. That's right. Um, and then at number three we have uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Battle Tendency Volume Four at number three. Um, good to see JoJo's doing well. Um, One Piece Volume Seventy Nine at number four. Uh, Yona of the Dawn number one at uh, at Volume Five, which I recently just watched the first episode of this actually, and um, I thought it was pretty interesting. Actually, I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of this. Yeah, I'm definitely planning to check out in the near future. It's good to see that uh, it's had a strong start in manga sales, too. Yeah, like, out out of most shoujo titles I've ever seen or read, um, this is definitely one of the more interesting ones. Like, I I saw somebody somewhere compare it, like, to Game of Thrones, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, And honestly, from what happens in the first episode of the anime, at least, um, I feel like that's applicable. But I won't say anything more than that. Um, so to continue on, at number six we have uh, Food Wars Volume Thirteen. At number six, mm-hmm. uh, so that's good. Um, we have High Q Volume Two at number seven, along with High uh, Q Volume One at number eight, with uh, its previous rank being number three on the list, and uh, this being its fifth week on the list collectively. Good job. Yeah, right off the bat. Two volumes of Haikyuu on the list at the same time is a very good thing uh, for this series and for sports manga in general. And then we have uh, One Punch Man Volume 2 at number 9, uh, with its uh, with this being its 23rd week on the list collectively. Um, and then we have Tokyo Ghoul Volume 1 all the way at the bottom at, uh, at number 10, uh, with its previous rank being uh, number 1 on the list, um, I believe on the list before this one, th- th- this being its 57th week on the list collectively. So this was a very good week. It was nice to see a lot of fresh debuts, Frank, very uh, high. By fresh debuts, I mean like for, like new volume releases, and this list was mostly comprised of new volume releases with only three like, uh, previously released stuff being on the list. 90% of them being from Viz. Yeah, pretty much all of them are Viz, except for Attack on Titan. So, yeah, Viz is doing very well these days. That's for sure. Yeah, good list. I, I, I approve of this one. I was definitely disappointed to see One Punch Man Volume 1 drop out, though. I mean, it's still represented with Volume 2, but now it does, it's not consec- it has It's no longer consecutively ranked every week in the top 10. Yeah, but maybe with this next list, maybe... uh. Maybe that'll continue. I don't know. Uh, Sid, why, why don't you go over the next list for us? Well, in a complete turnabout, Tokyo Ghoul number, Volume 1 ranks now number one on uh, next New York Times missing list. Uh, I should clarify, August 7th to 13th. So yeah, it went from 10 to 1 again, and uh, it's been on the list now for 58 weeks. Oh, oh, Tokyo Ghoul. <laughs> we can't ever get rid of you. No, we can't. N- nothing we do is working. You always, you're always on the list. Always. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> uh, well, eventually you will end. Yeah, like, it's eventually. only 14 volumes long. But then, then we'll get Tokyo Ghoul RE, so I guess maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> well, after that, we have Fairy Tale, volume 55, first week on the list at number two. 
I don't remember what happens in this volume. I'm supp- oh, I think the since the, I think this is probably like some of the stuff like uh maybe it's the fight with Lesio. I feel maybe just based on the cover because Natsu is on the cover. Possib- but- possibly, I I wouldn't know because I feel like this is probably way past where I stopped reading. Honestly, oh, it's, it's far past. This is yeah. like current art stuff. Ah, okay. After that, we have My Hero Academia Volume Five, uh, numbers three, and on the on the list for two weeks. So still, it was still within the top three within two weeks. That I think that's still pretty good. Yeah, that's that's not too huge of a drop off. So I'm I'm ha- I'm happy to see that. One Piece Volume 79 holds constant at number four for the previous week. Yeah, sounds about right. One Punch Bad Volume 1 returns to the list uh, now at number five on this list now for 49 non-consecutive weeks. Come on, make it to 50. I'm sure it will uh, make it to 50, but uh, now the chain of consecutive rankings has been broken, so it's not quite as special as when Attack on Titan was on Volume 1 was on the list for like 100 weeks or whatever. That, that's like, I want to say that's like two years almost? It is two years. Okay, then wow, that is amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yona of the Dawn, Volume 1, uh, ranks also uh, constant in number 6, which is good for that series. Attack on Titan, Volume 19, ranks at number 7, down from number 2. Still pretty good, though, but it definitely seems like Attack on Titan is losing a bit of steam, but maybe not, because a related series is on the list at the bottom. I mean, to be fair, I feel like I feel like when the second season hits next year, maybe that'll change. There'll be a whole new resurgence, but definitely, you know, its popularity has waned slowly but surely ever since, ever for the last couple of years. Yeah. We're no longer in the, like, heat, the prime of Titan Mania. Yeah. Tokyo Ghoul, uh, Volume 2 remains constant at number 8. Haikyuu Volume 1 is at number 9, now on the list for 6 weeks. Uh, unfortunately, Volume 2 seems to have dropped off from the previous week, but the it's still, Haikyuu is still represented, so that's good. And then finally, we have Attack on Titan before the fall. While you made at number ten, so yeah, th- I th- I think uh, that list I feel like or this list I feel like isn't as impressive, but it's it's still pretty good. I mean the previous the previous week was the one where a bunch of like new volumes came out. And yeah. This week's you know we just saw what stuck and what fell off, and then you know we saw the return of some old constants. Yeah. Still, against a very good thing that Haikyuu has been on this list for six weeks now. Mm-hmm. Fans just need to, you know, keep purchasing the series and keep the momentum going. First volumes, you know, generally all do sell very well. What's important is that the uh, every subsequent volume also uh, maintains consistent sales as well. Now, now here, here's what I want to ask you: how How long do you think Haikyuu will last consecutively on this list? I'm not sure. I don't think Haikyuu is really a big enough series to last a year, like One Punch Man or Attack on Titan. Uh, I could see it lasting maybe ten weeks. I think My Hero Academia, you know, Volume One lasted uh pretty far. Like it would pop up. I mean, it would it was never consecutive, but it popped up and. Every now and again, you know, and I think by the end, uh, since we last saw it, it was like 
10 weeks-ish. I could see Haikyuu Waiwan being, like, on the list for around 10 weeks, uh, maybe a little more. I just, I'm not sure that it really will last a year necessarily, but... Probably you know, not, no. There is a lot of support behind it. There is a lot of, like, enthusiasm for it. So I do think it'll probably last pretty far, though. I wouldn't be surprised if my expectations are, you know, surpassed. Honestly, I I was thinking 10 weeks as well. I'm hoping maybe it surprises us, considering, I mean, it it's it's pretty much like the underdog, I feel like, of manga at this point, at least over here in um in the Western market. Appropriate, since it's an underdog story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you never know. But yeah, I, I feel like I feel like maybe it'll probably last up to 10 weeks and then may- maybe either it'll last like another couple of weeks after that or it'll probably drop off and then come back. But I'm I'm ho- I'm hoping it stays on the list at least for that long. But I I feel like realistically it probably won't last on the list for for a year consecutively at least. I mean, if IQ lasts for 52 weeks on this list, I'll go buy a hat and I'll eat it because I don't own a hat to eat. Why don't you just buy the first volume? Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess I, I guess I should, but like, I'm, I was never really like that interested in Haikyuu in the first place. But I don't know. Maybe I should, honestly, just to, just to kind of help it out. Um, but anyway, so those are the New York Times bestselling lists, and I think we should probably go on to, um, to some of the uh, licenses from uh, Viz Media at Oticon. Because uh, Oticon happened pretty recently, I don't know. Like I, I was kind of expecting more license announcements, but then I remembered, oh yeah, Anime Expo kind of like had all of them. Yeah, I mean, Wiz has licensed a fair bit, maybe not as much as some of its competitors, but still, you know, a fair bit this year already. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so one of the first things that um that Viz announced for license was was a series called uh Sweet Blue Flowers or as I've seen some people refer to it as uh, Aoi Hana um which I I was I was telling Sid uh, before we recorded that I I I saw a lot of people on my timeline talk about the series and were really excited about it and I wasn't really sure why cuz I felt like I heard of it but lo- the more I looked up about it, I was like, "Man, I don't, I don't think I know this series at all." Which um, it's worth mentioning that uh, this series is authored by the same person responsible for uh, *Wandering Sun*, which is uh, definitely a manga series that's very noteworthy in terms of its um, subject matter. That that's a series I've definitely heard of around that uh, I've been meaning to get to at some point. And from what I could, and from what I read about the uh, synopsis of this particular story, um, it's it's also um, a Yuri title, which we were kind of also talking about before we started recording that um, this probably isn't the first Yuri title that Viz has picked up. I don't know about that for sure, but Yuri isn't something that Viz uh, particularly dabbles in, so that was kind of surprising to hear. At least not as much as some other licensors. No, I, I feel like the like the king of Yuri titles probably like that title probably goes to uh, Seven Seas at this point. Yeah, like I I literally cannot think of it of of what publisher like uh, puts out more Yuri titles than them. 
They recognized that there was demand and there was a market, and they capitalized on it. Yep. And uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Viz will try to uh, compete with that market. You never know. But uh, along with that, they also licensed uh, another uh, Legend of Zelda manga from uh, Akira Himikawa, who is responsible for um, pretty much, I think, all of the Legend of Zelda manga that's come out over here, right? Probably not all of them, but some of the more successful ones. Yes, yes. They're bringing out the um, the adaptation of uh, Twilight Princess, which, as far as I know, is like a recently new series that just started up. So that's cool. L- little little factoid about Colton: uh, Twilight Princess is the only Zelda game I've ever played. <laughs> wow! Yeah, really? yeah. I, I, honest and for truly, like I. I like I don't play a lot of video games in general, so yeah, Twilight Princess was the only Zelda game I've ever played. To be honest, I'm not that much better. I believe who I played are Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword. I haven't played the classics, unfortunately. I remember having a lot of fun with Twilight Princess, so I don't know. Maybe maybe this will be the one Zelda manga I'll pick up and read. I don't know. I I feel like I feel like I'd, I'd like to pick up the others, but like the only issue I foresee with reading some of the Zelda manga is I I wonder if I would appreciate it more if I had already played the games. Uh, that's the only problem I foresee running into. But um anyway, last but not least, uh Viz also picked up uh picked up a series called uh Queen's Quality uh from uh Kyosuke Motomi. Uh which I have no idea what that series is about, honestly. She did uh Dengeki Daisy, which, you know, I heard some uh, positive things about. Well, there you go. It looks like this is going to be a part of their um, Shoujo Beat lineup. It also seems to be a sequel to a previous work for it's called Kuku Sweeper. Ah, okay. Yeah. I I honestly haven't read a lot of, like, uh, Shoujo Beat titles. I, I feel like I should give more of those a chance. Uh, but speaking of licenses, uh, we have some other licensing news if you want to talk about those real quick, Sid. Yes, just one last thing. Uh, as just people know that I am a fan of Similarly Sins, and uh, recently Vertical released uh, is planning to release uh, a Seven Deadly Sins light novel, uh, Seven Deadly Sins, The Seven Scars Left Behind, which is a prequel to the main series that is about Gil Thunder and Margaret, and how they came to know the truth about uh, how the Seven Deadly Sins were framed, and like, how they kind of worked to like under like the system under Heindrisen and you know the Holy Knights and to kind of waiting until the day they could you know fight back and stuff. So that sounds pretty interesting. Um, so I'm looking forward. I'll probably will you know pick this up and read it because I do like Seven Reasons quite a bit, and I uh, and this set story just sounds very interesting. You know, it's funny. I. Uh... Uh, the same same friend I watched uh, Yona of the Dawn with, she also uh, is a huge fan of Seven Deadly Sins, and had me watch the first episode of that on Netflix. And I thought, I thought that was just kind of okay too. But to be fair, yeah, the, it, Seven Deadly Sins doesn't start off great. Like, yeah, the first couple ones are kind of slog for me. Honestly, I like at the beginning it was like, eh, am I really gonna like this? I don't know. I'm not really <laughs> feeling this. Yeah, it really picks up though with the introduction of two characters, Bonnie King, who are pro- who are easily my favorite characters in the series, and also have like the most complexity and like depth to them. 
and also just have a very, very interesting histories and relationships and character arcs. And then, but then from there, just the series as a whole, after they show up, just starts, you know, getting more fleshed out. Like there's some cool action scenes, like the plot, like it's a little deeper, deeper in terms of the intrigue. And then there's, a, and then, uh, some more interesting things and a lot of interesting things start happening and, uh, it becomes a lot more fun. And so it's, I think it's definitely worth, uh, sticking with the series through some, that kind of mess stretch at the beginning to get to the fun, to really fun stuff. The only, like, really hiccups I felt with the series, uh, after, like, the initial couple arcs was, pr- it's like the introduction of the power level system or whatever, mm-hmm. which I felt is unnecessary and, you know, doesn't really even go anywhere necessarily a- after a while, I don't think. Well, not, not go anywhere in terms of, like, it has a definite impact on things, like, you know, characters, like, in Dragon Ball, eventually just became, are able to, like, kind of undermine the power level, like, mechanics so I, I just I don't I don't I'm not a fan of power levels as a concept in general. So I, no, I thought that either. was a thought that was a hiccup, but it did not you know detract from the series too much, and it really it really had a, a really great stretch recently. So yeah, I, I think Seven Deadly Sins is at a pretty good place right now, and I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah, eventually I'd like to start reading that as well, but. Uh... But yeah, there you go. We're getting a seven deadly, a seven deadly sins novel. I was gonna, I was about to call it seven deadly seas. That's, that's not, that's not the title of the manga. Um, we should probably uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the My Jump app, which we talked about previously on the last episode. You know, just in case you don't remember, uh, the My Jump app is a smartphone app that was recently released for the iOS and Android, I believe, over in Japan where basically users can make up their own um, digital Shonen Jump uh, lineup. Uh, they, they can be, uh, quote-unquote, the editor-in-chief of some sorts, as they uh, as they worded it. So uh, we have a bit more information about that um, in terms of prices and, uh, and uh, even like a, a little promo that recently came out on YouTube that – um, unfortunately, I can't read Japanese, so I'm not exactly sure uh, what the hell they're saying. But uh, um, but I feel like I could probably make a pretty safe assumption about how this app actually works. Um, I was kind of speculating last episode about how maybe like how maybe the app lets you uh, like like basically. I thought maybe the app would like let you read. Um, let you read, you know, issues of Jump every week, but, you know, give you the, I guess, give you the option to take out of maybe a couple of series you don't really care for to read and maybe just put in some, like, catalog titles for stuff you don't want to read. That's what I thought maybe this was going to be, but it looks like from the, um, from the promo that they put up on YouTube, it looks more like, um, cause, cause the app apparently is going to have 200 200 catalog titles available to to choose from and basically you have the option of picking either uh 10 catalog titles or 20 catalog titles depending on how much you want to pay for the service and um it looks like you'll be able to make your own jump lineup from scratch and apparently the app will also offer new free manga daily 
So that's that's kind of interesting. If you had access to this, would you have preferred that um that you got to maybe like I guess would you have preferred making your own jump lineup from scratch or would you have would you have rather maybe just been able to replace a few series in like the current jump lineup? Probably the replacement option, but the, you know, creating your own jump lineup from scratch is a fun idea too. I think though that it's like more uh, more useful in Japan where you know they're going to give you ca- access to a catalog of like such a vast quantity of titles, some of which, you know, are probably out of print now, than it would be, like, in the U.S., where, you know, I mean, Wiz doesn't have, like, everything that Jump has ever run. But they probably don't, I don't, they certainly don't have 200 Jump titles. They have a, quite a few, but they only have the, really the most popular ones. And those aren't really hard to find, you know, yeah. so... I mean, if I was living in Japan, definitely I would use this. I would definitely get the service to read stuff that, you know, I would not be able to access otherwise or couldn't easily find otherwise in print. But I still think it's a neat idea. I definitely think Viz could try it out over here. I do think there's like some market for it. Yeah, I I wish we had some kind of opportunity for this kind of like customizable jump lineup. Man, like if I if I had this... If I had this option, I would put in stuff like One Piece, maybe go through Nero and Aishield 21 again. That'd be fun. Maybe some Dragon Ball, um, you know, stuff like that. Oh, uh, and Gintama. How, ca- how could I forget Gintama? <laughs> yeah, I was surprised you didn't mention that. But yeah, that this is, a, this is a pretty cool thing. I hope maybe at some point Viz can maybe work on some kind of prototype for uh, for their Western market, but you never know. Yeah, we'll see. I think that, you know, they've already been doing a bunch of things with, you know, free manga and manga apps. Like, they have this Naruto app where you can read new chapters daily and stuff. And now they are do- having free chapters available on the Shadow Jump website. Mm-hmm. They need to, like, reflect that in the app. Maybe they do. Maybe I, I haven't actually checked the Shonen Jump-specific app. That they that probably gives, would give me access to the free chapters. have to look into that. Because they aren't available on the Vizmog app, but maybe in the Shonen Jump app, it, it's available. Maybe, but I I don't know because I was under the impression that the Shonen Jump app was specifically for um for their weekly Shonen Jump. Maybe I I have to check. I I only use the Viz app. I never I never download the Shonen Jump app, so I should I should check into that again. But uh, what's the next thing we're talking about, Sid? Oh boy, well. It's so weird. Twenty sixteen is the year where everything is ending. It seems, you know, yeah. like what Bleach ended, Nizakoi ended, Billy Bat ended. What? What hasn't? Well, okay, there's plenty of stuff that hasn't, ended, but it feels like almost everything is ended or ending at this point. Like some stuff that I'm surprised are actually ending. Yeah, like all, all the all the uh, all the series we either love or tolerate are ending. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, well, some were long, are long past due, like Leech. That that probably should have ended five years ago. But uh, to get back on point, yet another very popular series is ending. Ending next month, uh, Blood Lad will be ending on September fourth. And you know, I I, I didn't I didn't keep up with Blood Lad, so I probably probably if I was reading the series, I would have guess that oh yeah it would be it probably will be ending soon so it was, it was just surprising for me because i felt that was this is such a recent ish series 
you know, I mean, I guess it's not that recent. It's been running for seven years, but like, it just didn't felt like such a recent-ish series to me that I was kind of surprised. Oh, wow, this is ending soon, huh? I, I, I feel like maybe it feels recent because... Because um, the anime came out only 2013, just three years ago. Yeah, and I, I didn't have any idea about Bloodlad at all until about maybe 2014. <laughs> yeah, so, if anything, this this uh, is a good time to, though, for me to go back and, act- and start reading the manga from where the anime left off, because I did quite enjoy the anime. Mm, I actually haven't, like, seen any of it, just because, like... It didn't look particularly interesting to me, but I wouldn't mind maybe giving it a chance, though. Yeah, it's a very fun, fun series. But uh, with Bloodlad ending, we're getting some new manga here. um, As things, as manga and new ones begin, and thus is the cycle. Debt and Rebirth. But some things never die, and that's Pokemon. Pokemon Mania is going stronger than ever. 20 years and people are still playing Pokemon. In fact, more people are playing Pokemon than ever because everyone's on their streets playing their Pokemon Go. And I'm at work and I'm walking around during my lunch late for my mid-afternoon exercise. I see people on the sidewalks playing Pokemon Go, even though they kind of screwed up the app. Niantic, you should fix that tracking system, seriously. But yeah, and like people still talking about the anime. Everyone was in a huff because, gosh darn it, Ash lost another league tournament, even though he finally got to the finals this time. Though I should say that it was, I'm satisfied because the match itself was extremely good. XY is like the best Pokemon anime, I think, now. But yeah. And of course, you know, all this Pokemon media is still going strong. Like, Viz is planning to release Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire arc of Pokemon Adventures, like, next month. Like, there's just all sorts of Pokemon news. Like, they're releasing, like, a quote book of, like, inspiring Pokemon quotes, like, in October. Like, huh. seriously. Wow. <laughs> People thought Pokemon would just be a fad, but it has become a deeply ingrained part of our popular culture. Yeah, surprise, surprise. People love Pokemon. Yeah, so a big part of that, you know, of course, is games. Like, everyone's been excited and talking about, you know, Pokemon Sun and Moon coming out later this year. And of course, naturally, we're going to be getting a tie-in to that. Not just an Adventures arc, it seems, though. This is a completely new Pokemon Sun and Moon manga uh, based on the games about a kid and his rock rough presumably taking, like, the island challenges and the, uh, based on the Sun and Moon games, which isn't, which, you know, there isn't a whole lot of new information about this yet, but I do kind of like, just from the promo image, like, this kind of, uh, the kind of the art style, and depending on, like, uh, if it gets released by Viz over here, I might check it out. I'm, of course, very much looking forward to seeing Pokemon Adventures start its uh, Sun and Moon arc after it completes the Omega Ruby and Sapphire arc and the XY arcs. But, uh, yeah. So this is, so that's basically it. Uh, another Pokemon manga coming out could be a good time. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that Viz wouldn't pick it up. Well, there's so many Pokemon manga out there. I mean, they haven't picked up every one. Like, the longest-running Pokemon manga... Uh, Pocket Monsters, what is it called? Pod- uh, the longest running Pokemon manga, 
like, which is a gag comedy manga. It has, uh, you know, Wiz has never even picked it up, not even in the early days when they picked up every, like, Pokemon manga, like, like, Magical Pokemon Adventure, or all those ones based off the anime, like, uh, Pikachu Strikes Back, or whatever it was called. Electric Tail Pikachu, no, that was the name. So, they never touched, uh, the, like, gag comic Pokemon manga, which is, even though it's, like, the longest-running one, so... Yeah, they haven't, like, picked up every... And I'm sure there's all sorts of miscellaneous Pokemon I got that they never picked up, too. But we'll see. I think that definitely a lot of these newer ones get picked up. So if this, uh, you know, lasts a while, I'm sure that they'll release it over here. Probably, probably. I feel like there's a good chance they will. Because, like you said, po- Pokemon has uh, has been uh, doing pretty well. It's been doing uh, as well as it ever has. Yeah. It's a good time to be a Pokemon fan. Yeah, but going from that to our next neat little thing that I wanted to mention, at one point we we talked about how uh, Naoki Urasawa has his own uh, his own documentary series on Japanese television called uh, Naoki Urasawa's Manben, uh, where he basically goes around and talks to very very famous, very well known uh, manga authors in Japan, basically interviews them. And uh, sets up sort of a, a film crew to basically film particular authors at work. I believe we talked a little bit about his um, – because this is the only one I've seen in particular because, unfortunately, it's not um, it's not readily available anywhere, unfortunately. Uh, I believe we talked about, in particular, the episode of Manben that Urasawa did with uh, Takao Saito, the author of uh, Gogo 13, which I remember watching that and honestly, like, took my breath away. Like, that, that, was, an, that was an experience watching that thing. That, that was really interesting to get to see, uh, see him in particular at work. But um, it looks like Manben is going to be returning for a third season pretty soon here in um, th- this coming September. Yeah, September 15th. Yes. And um, it looks like uh, he's going to be uh, interviewing people such as uh, Ryo- uh, Ryoichi Ikigama, who, or Ikigami, um, who some people may know as the author of Crying Freeman. Which, um, that's a series I've definitely been seeing around. I'm pretty sure that is, um, that's available in English. I, I think yeah. Dark, I think Dark Horse puts that out. Um, that's something I definitely want to read at some point. And, um, you know, along with a, a few other authors, uh, in question, it looks like they're, it looks like Urasawa is going to be doing an episode about himself. Uh, he's going to be doing an episode about himself as he brings, uh, Billy Bat to an end. Mm hmm. Which is definitely something I'm looking forward to. That yeah, that would be really interesting to see. Crunchyroll, if you're listening, please pick up Manben. I really want to see this legally. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought that was worth mentioning because Manben, I feel like is is it's such an interesting like I don't know. It's it's not exactly like you know like I don't know. I I feel like it's a really interesting concept for a television series considering you know who is behind it and everything again i would i would definitely love to see more of this but uh anyway uh speaking speaking of uh of uh creating manga it looks like uh we could be looking forward to something from a certain manga author that every that everybody might have heard of maybe yes uh, in a recent in, in joint interview between uh 
him um, between Masashi Kishimoto and Yoshihiro Takashi, Kishimoto mentioned that he is working on his uh, next project and that there will be an announcement for it sometime within the next year. So definitely uh, now that, you know, he's had time to cool off after working on Boruto and getting all the arrangements for the manga version and all of that, he will be finally starting to move on from the Naruto series and do another original project. I think I remember Kishimoto somewhere mentioning that he he was interested in uh, in maybe drawing a sci-fi manga, which I yes, which I would like. I would I I'd be interested. I mean, as much as I don't really care about Naruto overall, I am interested in a lot of his other works, and I'd be interested in um, I'd be interested in this take on sci-fi, especially. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm sure that like. I feel like it's safe to say that there's no way that Viz won't pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean, they, they Naruto is like one of their biggest titles, like that makes the bank for them. So obviously, like anything Kishimoto does is going to be like gold. Pretty much, yeah. So, but by the time this episode has been released, Bleach will have ended. I feel like that is uh, definitely something worth noting. I I don't know. Do we do we want to talk about the ending of Bleach or do we just let it slide? Have you read the ending of Bleach? Uh, I've seen things around, but like I don't really care about spoilers. So you can. I mean, if you if you have anything to say about it, you don't have you don't have to hold back in front of me. I don't really care. Uh okay. I mean, it was a decent final chapter, all things considered. Like um. The big, I mean, the final chapter in of itself was fine. Like, it had some good, it was nice, it was kind of nice seeing, you know, where the characters ended up, like, after their battles and stuff, and like, you know, what they're, kind of what they're doing now. It's kind of funny that Chad is like a boxer, apparently, now. And then it's also kind of appropriate that, uh, you know, Ishida is a doctor now, like his father. Um, Ichigo and Orihime hooking up, I believe that. Definitely, and then as well as Rukin, you know Renji hooking up. I thought I thought that made sense. Like, of course, like there are a bunch of salty itchy Rookie shippers out there, and I was like, I never got Ichigo and Rukia because they never had a romantic relationship or romantic interest in each other. Like they're always just friends. Like Ichigo and Orihime for sure had a definite romantic interest in Ichigo, and Ichigo sorted it develop feelings for her as the series went on in some respect, but Ichigo and Rukia never had romantic feelings. They had a close friendship, but never a romantic never they never really loved each other. So I, I never got Ichiroki compared to, you know, Ichigo, Ichihime or whatever you call it. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that it was I thought the you know you walk slash remnants of power, you know, that that whole bit I didn't. I didn't think that you know made a ton of sense. I don't really get what uh, Kazui Ichigo and Orihime's kid did to like get rid of the last remnants of Jack's power because he just reached his hand into like this black abyss and then that's it. So I don't know what what happened there. But I do like the sentiment about you know Yawak was trying to control people. He was trying to create a world without fear, and you know he was trying to like control you know people. 
and like kind of put fear in in them to like make them obey him or whatever. And Eisen's reflecting on this, and he's saying that you walk totally misunderstand like human beings like human beings can live with fear because they have courage and i kind of like that moment you know eisen's whole little speech there you know i i don't know i thought that was probably the part of the chapter i like best but um you know if i was more emotionally invested in these characters i would probably be satisfied with you know i probably would find this ending very cathartic because it's it's there's some pretty nice character moments in there um, and, it, and like the ending with Ichigo and Rukia's kids meeting is kind of cute. So, you know, it's not, as a final chapter, it's not really that, it's not really a bad ending at all. You know, it's pretty good. It doesn't really feel like earned necessarily. Well, maybe it's earned, but in terms of the events of the series, and I don't know, because Ichigo really didn't have that much to do in the final arc, you know, when you think about it. So that's a whole nother spiel. Basically, the final chapter itself was fine. It's a decent ending. The arc that preceded it was awful and was <laughs> completely frivolous and like went on way too long and had so so many problems. Maybe not. I don't know. It wasn't as completely pointless as Full Ring arc because it did progress things. It did answer some questions. So oh, don't even get me I guess, started. I guess. I guess it had some value, honestly. You know, honestly, the concept was something they needed to do, Kubo needed to do in Bleach, and it would have been a good arc to end the series on if he had written it better, and if, you know, but, you know, it's a whole other spiel, I mean, I can go on about the problems in Bleach on a later date. The point is, ending itself is fine. I don't think the ending is a bad ending at all. In terms of just that final chapter, that is fine. Like, the, the how Ichigo beat your walk and all those other things that happen at the climax of the arc, That, that that's all pretty lame and bad and stuff. But this, the final chapter itself is fine ending. Well, there well, there you go. Um, the most I took out of that final chapter from what I skimmed of it is that Ichigo has that same weird short hairstyle that shows too much of his forehead like Naruto did at the end of Naruto. Yeah, he aged. He starting to bald, I guess. I don't know. I kind of hope when Gintama ends, they kind of make fun of that. That would yeah, be amazing. That would be good. <laughs> but anyway, so basically, uh, with Bleach ending um, in that same issue of Jump, we did get an announcement of some sort. Uh, one that I'm sure everybody oh, wanted. I completely forgot about the announcement. <laughs> I was just going on so much about talking about the ending of Bleach. I really got the point was to get on to telling about the announcement. What 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 was that announcement, Sid? What was the thing that everybody wanted? That everybody totally wanted. Yeah. So 2016 is the year where every manga is ending. It's also the year where every manga is getting a freaking live action movie. Yep. Tokyo Ghoul is getting a live action movie. Gintama is getting a live action movie. Uh, Lone Wolf and Cubs getting a live action movie. Full Metal Alchemist. And Full Metal Alchemist is getting a live-action movie, and joining their ranks is now Bleach, which is now slated to have a live-action movie that will come out in 2018. Uh, the biggest takeaway from this is that now there is, before, like, there was an interest in a, from some studio, I think Warrior Brothers, to make a uh, Hollywood-produced Bleach movie. Now it's going to be Japanese-produced, so I'm assuming the rights to that have, uh, expired so now you know they're going to be making one in japan so okay you know i don't know i think that 
it could work if they, you know, I think that as a lot of people have, you know, said, you know, when thinking about the subject that a Bleach live action movie would le- would work best, like, if they focused it on the Grand Fisher storyline, but really the content from the first three volumes in particular, just focus on that, because there's, there's a good, like, uh, emotional center there. And, you know, Ichigo's relationship with his mother and then trying and trying to venture that at the hands of Grant Fisher and all that. That could make a good movie, that arc. Yeah, I remember some of the, I remember really liking a lot of that stuff the first time I watched it, actually. Yeah, it's probably some of the stronger, uh, you know, emotional moments and stronger moments of Ichigo's character in particular. But uh, basically, I, I'm worried, though, that they're going to try and cram in Soul Society stuff and get all the popular char- Soul Society characters in there, like it's Guy or whatever. Like, like it, it did it, it did it work when Kubo tried to introduce, like, 20-plus characters at once in Soul Society, and I don't think it's going to work in, in live-action form, or movie form, I guess. It sort of worked in Soul Society because he gave, he that arc lasted three years, so by the end of those three years, you actually knew all those Soul Society characters because they've been given time to develop over the course of three years. Uh, but, I, I feel um, like know, I feel like a, I could argue that, but I don't feel like it. A movie, trying to keep track of a bunch of characters, I don't think that's going to work at all. No. I, I really do think they should keep it simple, keep it to the original core cast, and keep it and like focus on that uh, Grand Fisher storyline. I think that would be the best bet for a successful live action movie of Bleach. Hey, I mean, like, I don't know, like if if they're if they really do end up like getting a cast together for all of Soul Society, hey, that that's just those are just more actors they have to pay. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's true. That's a thing. But then again, there might just be people who go see the movie just because of the actors. Probably, yeah. And Bleach has a lot of pretty boy characters that can be played by pretty boy actors. I feel like unlike uh, something like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I feel like when when we were talking about the rumors for that supposed live action movie, I feel like we were we were talking about how like uh, the actor that would supposedly be playing Jotaro probably wouldn't fit that character because he looks too handsome. <laughs> Yeah, well, he well he looks he doesn't look the part of a, del- a like a delinquent like kind of rugged manly guy. He seemed he seemed like kind of thin and gangly. His yeah, face yeah. Was not didn't seem really hardened enough to be kind of like a tuggish kind of character. He would he would probably fit for a more like uh, for- I think he'd work as Kakyoin, but. Jotaro, I don't know. I, see, I was I was gonna say he would he would have fit more for like a more current JoJo story. Where Araki's art uh, character designs are a little more like that. Yeah, he could. Maybe he could work as part eight Josuke. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, anyway, so I don't know if it's worth mentioning because I don't know how many of our listeners may have seen these movies. But um, the Bleach live action movie uh, in particular is going to be directed by uh, Shinsuke Sato, who apparently was responsible for um, for both Gantz live action movies. Which I only bring up as a as a transition into our pretty much our last news story that I I really 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 wanted to talk about because this is personally I thought this was pretty relevant to me personally um, and we'll get to why in just a second but uh, the author of Gantz uh, Hiroya Oku apparently one day started to rant on Twitter about um, about a certain thing that uh, that apparently uh, I'm, I'm not sure. 
you know, if I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure all manga artists probably don't care for this kind of thing, but, um, and I, and I won't go over what he talked about word for word, but just, just to kind of sum things up, he essentially went to Twitter to, to, to basically rant about like the market for secondhand manga over in Japan and about how, you know, when, when consumers buy all of their manga secondhand and they don't pay retail or list price, uh, for their manga, that um, basically the money that you pay to buy used manga or used books don't go back to the author. Mm-hmm. And that was something he was complaining about in particular. And he was basically like, you know, if you want to support a manga creator, that you should buy your manga at list price. And I thought this was interesting considering how um, I've been actually thinking about this a lot lately and for a while now because – you know, I don't think it's wrong to say that, like, I prefer buying a lot of my manga through places like, uh, through Amazon Marketplace. I, I buy a lot of my manga used. I, nowadays, I very rarely buy a lot of my manga at list price. Um, I feel like the only times lately I buy my manga at list price is when, like, I, I'll buy, like, a digital volume or something. That, that's also because I'm running out of shelf space. Uh, so, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast yet. I might have mentioned it last episode. I don't know, but we've been uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, Watsky, the the author behind Kenshin and a lot of like his works lately, and um, it made me kind of want to go out and buy all of Gunblaze West, which is um, I forget if he wrote that before or after Buso Renkin, but regardless, um, that was a series that he also did for Shonen Jump. But that only lasted about three volumes, uh, pretty much because it got canceled, unfortunately. So, with all of that in mind, I really wanted to go out and buy Gunblaze West to read it, because I was kind of interested in it. But also, the thing is, it was canceled. So, like, I have experience in reading a lot of, like, canceled jump titles, and the thing that I know, like, the thing that I usually come back to when critiquing a lot of those kinds of, uh, manga is, that you know with with something that short that got canceled uh around you know volume 3 that'd be like 18 maybe 20 chapters or so some something around there usually with series like that with usually with a lot of series i read like that the thing that i come back to is man the series could have been so great or this had potential if only it ran longer that was the thing i came to when i read uh when i finally got around to reading like hi-fi cluster which ran in um in the english in the digital weekly shonen jump a little while back and that series could have been pretty cool if that had more time to it as well so that's that's kind of my biggest complaint with a lot of canceled jump titles in particular is that they don't ever have enough time to fully develop you know the setting the world or the characters the story whatnot and getting back to the point, I found it uh, cheaper to – not only cheaper to buy uh, Gunblaze West through um, through Amazon Marketplace, you know, basically buying it used. I kind of want to buy it used because I don't really want to – like personally, I don't really want to pay full price for something like that, something that got canceled that – I'm not saying it'll be terrible, but like it probably won't be very good either, so – like with that title in particular, you know, from my experience in reading stuff like that, I don't feel confident in wanting to buy something like that at full price. But this is just this is just like a very particular situation of mine 
I don't know how many people can really relate to this kind of thing. That's that's kind of my reasoning for wanting to buy this used. But, you know, in general, I don't know. Like, whenever I buy used manga, that always does kind of cross my mind that, huh, maybe I really should buy this at full price at some point. You know, n- none of the money that I pay for used manga is going to go back to the original creators, which is a shame. But, like, I don't know. What, what do you think about all this, Sid? I mean, it's true. I mean, if you buy used secondhand manga, it's not going to go back to the publisher, much less the creator. So, if that's something you, if you really care about and want to support your favorite series, you really need to buy them firsthand because that's what goes back to the publisher that will go back to the creators of the series you enjoy. Now, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't buy secondhand books at all. Like, there's a whole bunch of circumstances. Like, not everyone can, like, pay, like, full price for something. Like, right off the back, there's a whole bunch of financial situations. And there might be some things that you can't, like, find firsthand. Or, like, uh, or can, can't buy from the publisher. Like, it's not a print anymore. So you're going to have to buy that secondhand. Actually, for example, you know, I've mentioned a couple times before that I'm in the middle of trying to collect all of uh, GTO or Great Teacher right. Onizuka. and that's out of print. Yep. He, like, he, those aren't in print anymore because it was a Tokyo Pop thing. Uh, and, you know, that's that's an example of something that you that you literally cannot buy without delving into the secondhand market. Right. So, yeah, if you buy those used GTO manga, for example, that manga, uh, that money is not going to go back to... Uh, the original publisher in Japan is not going to go back to the mangaka. So if you really wanted to support the mangaka, that's something you were concerned with. You would probably try and buy the Japanese volumes if they were still in print, if the English volumes weren't available. But, you know, maybe if you don't read Japanese, then, you know, you can't actually maybe enjoy, you know, reading the manga, which is like what the point of like buying the manga would be. So, yeah. Why wouldn't you just buy the secondhand books? And here's the thing is that those books have to go somewhere. And it's a waste to just not, like, do, it's not, it's a waste to, you know, discard them or, like, not make, not rehab, put them in hands that will, you know, flips people who will read them. Yeah. Use books are an important part of actually the publishing publishing industry still like it do, it doesn't directly you know feed money back to the original creators but it does it is a very important like part of uh you know the st- the stability of like the publishing industry and so you should i mean you should you should always if you're really care about supporting a series and supporting uh, a creator you would like, you should have to buy uh, your manga firsthand uh, from stores, from the websites of the publishers. But if you like, just want to read something and it's not necessarily available otherwise, or if you know, you know, you see some books like a secondhand bookstore that you want to enjoy, there's no need to feel guilty and there's no shame in doing that those books should be read by someone and they're out there you might as well read them 
And I understand why the Gantz Mangaka, you know, was playing about this because if the secondhand books are all that's being, you know, circulated and all that's being purchased among fans, then no new first printings are being made from the publisher. And there aren't as many sales, you know, there aren't as many first-hand sales being done. But at the same time, you know, that's just an inevitability when you build up such a backlog of books and when you have so many books being printed. There's going to be a lot of, you know, content out there. and There's going to be a lot of books being published out there that, you know, eventually people might not need anymore or might not have room for anymore. So they'll have to put them up for sale. And then there might be someone who comes by who's interested and they have no reason not to take the books off someone's hands. Like those books still... Uh, if those books are are still perfectly good, they should, and they're still like worth reading. You know, I I I will say this is that it's a it's only a problem for fans who only buy secondhand books, even though they are really enjoy a series, but they and they have the financial means to support the series, but they don't do so, and they just you know read secondhand books or. Uh, just scans. Scans are worse than, you know, buying secondhand. Because at least you're buying the physical book. Exactly, but, yeah. Like, you're not paying money back to creators, but you're kind of feeding still the chain of, like, the publishing industry in some indirect way. But, like, that scans are, like, a way bigger problem than, like, reading secondhand books. Yeah, yeah. But basically, it's only a... Pro- and so it's only really something you should be guilty about uh, if you have the means to support a series and you want to support a series, but you're not doing so just because it's easier to get it secondhand. If you really love a series and you really, you know, respect that creator, then you should show your support. Because money is a basically kind of a vote in a sense, especially for an on currently running ongoing series. You know, to keep that series in pub- in publication, to keep that series still running and get more content. So if you want to see more content from your favorite series and your favorite creator, you need to support that that series and that creator directly. Pretty much, yeah. Like, I feel like it, it all comes down to what your preference is, you know, like... It, it it doesn't hurt to buy used books every once in a while, you know, especially if maybe you just happen to be short on cash or whatnot, but like... You know, every once in a while, I feel like personally, I feel like I feel like I don't have a problem with buying uh, most of my stuff secondhand. But at the same time, you know, every once in a while, I feel like personally, I should throw the cre- I, I should throw the original creator a bone every once in a while, and you know, at, at least make an attempt to to buy something at list price so that I know the money will be going back to the publisher and the creator directly. Mm-hmm. I buy a ton of manga every month firsthand and so when i do see something that i can get you know a little bit cheaper that might be secondhand i don't really feel all that guilty about it because i'm still supporting my favorite series and i'm still you know i still make sure to support series that i definitely really think need that support yeah like something like princess jellyfish like that is a series that i will always buy at the highest price possible because that's a series i really want to succeed and really know that it's it, it has such a niche market that it might not as it needs all the support it can get same thing for something like Winland Saga after it became a, after it became apparent that you know that was struggling too 
Like, especially in those circumstances, you need to buy uh, in stores or online at the highest price you can and really give as much as you can to the publishers and the original creator to keep that series published. Pretty much. But yeah, like I, I thought I thought that was a pretty interesting discussion that I feel like we, we should have had. But, uh, you know, well, well, I guess we'll, you know, just to kind of jump ahead here, because we'll get to feedback here in just a second. Um, you know, if, if you guys have any thoughts on this on this particular subject, you know, what you prefer to, you know, if you prefer to buy all your stuff secondhand or if, or if you really feel passionately about wanting to support the original creators, you know, if you guys have any thoughts on this, we'd like to hear them. Uh, you can always send us an email over at mangamavericks at gmail.com and we'll read your thoughts on the show and we'd love to hear what you guys think about this. Because mm-hmm. I, I think this I think this definitely deserves some discussion every once in a while. It's good to have discussion topics like this. But speaking of feedback, uh, Sid, you were telling me we, we have a bit of a comment over on uh, Animation Revelation. Yes, we got another comment from my friend Spark on Animation Revelation. Uh, he has a question for us. Uh, he begins, there have been several bubbles of popularity in the North American manga market. Because these pockets have come at different times, there are many different manga series that have missed a boat of being licensed. For instance, Ushio and Tora missed this window to be released back in the 90s. And as a result, there is no North American fan base for Kazuhiro Fujita's works. Skit Dance missed its chance to be licensed at its popularity peak several years back, and it looks unlikely to get licensed now. On the other hand, there are series like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that are getting a new opportunity thanks to recent anime series. My question is, do you feel there are any manga series that have essentially missed a boat in being licensed? Are there series you think should have been licensed, but now have virtually no chance? Whether it's classics like Fist of the North Star or City Hunter, or just surprising passes like Medaka Box or Beelzebub, what great series in your mind missed their chance to be officially brought over? Note, I'm not talking about series that were brought over and simply didn't sell and got cancelled like Reborn or Gintama, but series that never got the chance in the first place. Mm. Now, I just want to clarify. Uh, Fist of the North Star actually was brought over here, actually quite a few times, by both Rioting Comics and Viz Media. So there were actually plenty, uh, plenty of attempts to publish the Fist of the North Star manga over here, but they didn't uh, pan out, unfortunately. And I'm also like I'm eighty percent sure that that uh, City Hunter was also brought over by Raging Comics at one point. If it wasn't Raging Comics, I know it was somebody because I I've actually been to a few bookstores over in my area where I have I have found used copies of English City Hunter quite a few times actually. So, oh yes, Raging Comics did actually uh, publish some of City Hunter too. Actually. Gustoon, yeah, Gustoon Entertainment, uh, more specifically, was the original English publisher of uh, City Hunter, and they ran it in the uh, Raging Comics magazine. And of course, Gustoon is uh, now defunct, but yeah. I'm pretty sure they also brought over uh, Fist of the North Star at one point, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. they brought over Fist of the North Star, and actually Fist of the Blue Sky, the... Uh, sequel spin off to that. They've offered oh, wow. quite a few stuff, like Baki the Grappler and Slam Dunk originally. Hmm. But uh, you know, they never had much success with their titles. Hmm. Though Slam Dunk, uh fortunately was was at least relicensed by Viz, so that was good. But, well, that's well, that's good. Uh, unfortunately Fist and the North Star after being relicensed by Wiz didn't really have much success. Um 
But in terms of, like, the question, I... I don't know, like... I, I really can't think of... I really can't think of any manga off the top of my head that I think definitely missed the boat, other than maybe, like, Sket Dance. Um, th- that that really, like, mean anything to me personally, I guess, or really just anything I've read. Um, yeah, Sket Dance definitely missed the boat, unfortunately. Like, I mean, it's it's great that... It's great that Viz picked up Astro Lost in Space, but, like, I doubt that's ever going to gain any kind of popularity enough to warrant uh, any of Shinohara's past works at all, unfortunately. And, pl- and plus, Sket Dance is so... Not as much as Gintama, to an extent, but it's it's definitely drenched in a lot of, like, you know, Japanese pop culture and a lot of specific anime references um, and all that all that kind of stuff. So, it's... Like, I think because of the nature of its comedy, I, yeah, I don't ever see it getting licensed at all, honestly, which is unfortunate. Um, but I, I really can't, like, I, I honestly can't think of anything else off the top of my head, honestly. There are a lot of series that I can think of that I was kind of, I was kind of surprised have never been licensed, like, at the time, at, at the, you know, times when they came out. Well, like Nero, for instance. Oh yeah, I had, that's I even right. Heard of, I I heard I had heard about Nero before even Assassination Classroom ever came out. Like yep, that was me a too. series I was aware of. So and it had like a maybe not as strong a popularity as Attack on. I mean, Assassination Classroom, but it had a pretty significant cult following that was pretty visible on the internet. So I was so that was always one that was. I was found it was kind of weird that, you know, I never saw, you know, any licensing of the manga of that. I mean, I know Viz did license the anime for streaming, but I guess just based on that, maybe the streaming numbers for the anime weren't great, so they didn't, like, look into the manga. Now that Assassination Classroom, you know, they've released it and it's successful, I am hoping they'll release Nero. Yeah, because, honestly, I've always felt like Nero was a good, um... I don't know, like, I feel like Nero, if it were ever released over here, I feel like it could, it could, like, potentially, maybe not gain the exact uh, same following, but I feel like, I feel like it it could, it could, like, I don't know, like, I I don't know, like, I, I used to think that maybe it could do as well as Death Note. I don't remember what my reasoning was for it, though, so I feel like maybe that point might be kind of mute, but, like, I feel like it's a... I feel like it has it like it's it's a good combination of like a, a lot of like similar aspects of like Death Note and like and and co- other comedy series such as Bobobo, which mm-hmm. is which is which is uh, relevant because uh, Yoshio Sawai or not Yoshio Sawai that's the author of Bobobo. Um, 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 uh, oh my God! I am blanking on his name. You say Matsui. I cannot believe I was blanking on his name for that long. Um, Yusei Matsui used to be an assistant on Bobobo, so that's pretty relevant. Um, but no, like, I feel like Nero... And that's another thing, I can't believe I forgot about Nero. <laughs> um, I feel like, I feel like, uh, yeah, like you said, with, with the success of Assassination Classroom, that maybe, that maybe Viz will take the plunge, and maybe they'll take a chance at licensing Nero. Like, I would, I would love to see that happen, and I'm hoping... I'm hoping that when Matsui makes his appearance at Nero Comic Con, that maybe Viz will surprise us and be like, "Yep, we're bringing out Nero. You're welcome." But 
there's so there are titles like Nero that I think that here and there that I well I, I'm kind of surprised that we never saw you know licensed over here. I think though that the biggest one for me in terms of stuff that I feel really missed about but really should have been brought over are Mitsuru Adachi's manga because he is big in Japan like his series are big like touches. Uh, as big as Slam Dunk in terms of popularity, if not bigger. Like, they played the freaking anime opening at baseball games in Japan. Oh, wow. It's just that iconic. And his other works, H2, uh, also is really successful. Um, his, like, other shorter series are also, uh, you know, pretty popular and well-received. Like, he has a lot of very popular works, and so it's very surprising to me that no one ever tried to, at the very least, and in particular, license Touch, because that was such a, you know, important and iconic and popular series in Japan. And, and compared to Slam Dunk, it's maybe not as hot-blooded, and maybe the art style is not necessarily as... Uh, Accessible? It's a lot soft. Well, it's a lot... Adachi's art style is very soft. It's... uh it's very, it's more cartoonish than like, uh, you know, Takahiko Inoue's art. So, oh, yes. I mean, and his, so, you know, his, he also really titles in baseball, which, you know, isn't, doesn't involve as much like physical contact with other people, you know, maybe it's like basketball or football and stuff. So, you know, there's not maybe as like action elements in it, but. <laughs> The thing is, it's, it's just such a benchmark series. It's one of the highest selling manga of all time that I, I still boggles to my mind that no one ever tried licensing it way back in the day. Now, there is one work of Adachi's that, you know, was, you know, released over here. That's Cross Game. That was very well received. Like, it's critically acclaimed. I don't know if it did gr- amazing, but it seemed to do well enough. But it, didn't do well enough, it seems, to, like, really get the push to get Adachi's back catalog of works brought over here, which I think is a real shame, because I really, because, you know, he was, alongside Ruko Takahashi, was kind of the person who really built Shonen Sunday in terms of, like, making it into kind of the magazine it became in the 80s and 90s. Like, his and Takahashi series were, like, the biggest works for the longest time in like that magazine and only really when Conan started to pick up that they kind of start to fall off a little bit. But even now Adachi's still making manga and that is doing pretty well, like mix, like his current work is like still, you know, uh, still sells decently uh, and seems to have a fair, you know, popularity, even if it's not quite as big as, you know, some of his earlier works. And I would love to see, you know, Mix get, you know, licensed. At least some of his Adachi's newer manga get licensed. So, but yeah, definitely just going back. Adachi's, like, entire catalog of works. Like, that is the one mangaka where I'm just, like, kind of baffled that no one has ever made the push to really bring his stuff over in a larger capacity than just Viz releasing Cross Game. Because, you know, at least with some other mangaka, like, um, at least with some other series, rather, 
like there have been at least efforts to bring things over. Like there was an effort to bring over Fist of the North Star. There was an effort to bring over City Hunter. There was an effort to bring over uh, Bastard. You know, there's a, there's there's plenty of series that there was efforts to bring over that there was no effort to bring over Touch. So that's when I think of this question. That's the one that immediately comes to mind because that's the one that still makes me wonder to this day why they never tried to do why there was no one ever tried to license it. Um, but I think that answers the question, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, that's that's a pretty good episode. I enjoyed a lot of this, uh, a lot of the uh, discussion there. Yeah, it was really good. Anyway, I, th- I think that's going to be the end of the episode. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Manga Mavericks. Sid, where, where, where can the good people find you? You can find me as at Lomramayasha on Twitter and uh, my anime list. You can also find me under that name at Animation Revelation, which is where I hang out most often. And uh, running a Greatest Anime Episode competition over there. It's a lot of fun. You can check that out. Also, you could check me out on my Tumblr, uh, Sid Gupta's Awesome Art Blog, which I've been updating a lot more content on there regularly. So uh, if you're interested in my art at all, you can go over there and check that stuff out. Go follow with Sid's stuff. He's cool. Um, but if you like if you like me at all, I don't see why you would. That wasn't necessary. I don't I don't hate myself. I promise. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at SniperKing323. That's S-N-I-P-E-R-K-I-N-G-323. Um, I do a lot of other podcasts outside of Manga Mavericks. Um, most importantly, there's Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast. If you're a fan of Gintama and you want to hear somebody, uh, you know, talk about the manga for a change instead of the anime, because I guess that's all anyone ever watches is the anime. Some people don't know that, that a manga exists for Gintama, unfortunately, which is kind of weird. Um, go listen to Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com. Um, we actually just put out a new episode of Heavenly Kings, a, uh, a podcast where I talk to my friends about Toriko. If you're into that series, you should go listen to that at heavenlykings.wordpress.com. Uh, last but not least, there's also One Podcast Prevails, which is, uh, it's pretty similar to the structure of Life Lessons, um, if you ever listen to that, except, uh, I talk with my friend Doctor over from the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast about, uh, Detective Conan slash Case Closed. We just recorded for that pretty recently. Hopefully, hopefully soon after this comes out, there'll be an episode of that out pretty soon. Uh, you can listen to that at onepodcastprevails.wordpress.com. And uh, that's pretty much it for all my, all my other podcasts. But um, but as as for the site, as for allcomic.com, uh, you can find more of Manga Mavericks. Uh, you can find more of the podcast at all-comic.com. Uh, that's where we obviously put up all of our episodes. You can follow us also on facebook.com slash all.comic and on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. Uh, you can also email us anything about uh, about manga in general. You know, any any of the topics we discussed on this episode. We'd really like to hear your thoughts on some of this stuff at uh, mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. And um, I think that's going to do it for this episode. So this has been uh, episode 15 of Manga Mavericks, and we will see you guys in the next two weeks for episode 16. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Sayonara.